You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Good morning. Uh, we get to hear this morning from Caleb again. For the last couple of weeks, he's been kind of unpacking uh, as we begin this year um, as to personal vision and then corporate vision. Uh, Caleb's going to continue in Acts sharing on corporate vision. Uh, who, for those of us who love the Lord, as we gather together, what the Lord is calling us to. And uh, uh, last week, if you remember, as, we, as Caleb was sharing from Acts, uh, there were four things that he highlighted uh, for us corporately to do. And beginning in Acts chapter 2, here it is. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with uh, glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the end of Acts chapter 2. And as we go into Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4, here we see, um, we come across Peter and John on their way uh, to the temple to pray. On the way, they, they heal a man in his 40s who has been crippled. And they do that in the name of Jesus. And Peter uh, preaches to the, the gathered crowd. And we learn that uh, over uh, 2,000 people come and, and believe and join the fellowship. Now, the religious leaders were not happy with this. They uh, arrested Peter and John and commanded them uh, not to preach in the name of Jesus. Now, we pick up beginning of, uh, in the Acts chapter 4, verse 23. And... After their release, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord... Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great 
boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put them at the feet of the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Amen. Thank you, John. Who enjoys the public reading of Scripture? I just, I just love to just sit and hear it. Um, yeah, so good. Uh, before I dive into the message this morning, I just want to request your prayers for Telsey and I. Um, Telsey and I, after the service today, are headed down to Sacramento for a pastor's conference, it's called. And uh, we're going to be gone until Thursday. And, uh, and I'm just asking for you guys as a church to be joining with us in prayer, asking for God to do what he wants to do in this. We really felt led to be at it. We're expecting encouragement. We're expecting inspiration, connections, all that sort of stuff. And so your prayers are much appreciated. All right, diving in here. So uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the ultimate goal. We talked about when we're setting goals, right? New year, that time of life, that season. That there's really one ultimate goal for us as believers to have in our heart. Who remembers what that was? Can I hear it? Can I hear it? The ultimate goal? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we really just condense that to... Seek to become like Jesus. And then last week, we talked in this passage that John read from Acts 2. And we saw how the early church devoted themselves to these things, right? The apostles' teaching, which is essentially learning from the Bible, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. And, and I shared with you guys how I was praying recently for us as a church. And I was asking God, what's on your heart for life, Tree? And I felt like he said, eat together and pray together. Just these simple instructions for us as a church. And that really this, you know, getting in the word together is eating together. Obviously, we love having food around here and eating together. Uh, together covers the fellowship part. And then pray together, right? And so last week was really focused on this one thing of eating together. This week, I want us to focus on praying together. And uh, what I want to highlight, though, is what I highlighted last week. It was really interesting in those verses that John read to us from Acts 2. It opens with saying they devoted themselves to these things, four simple things. And then it ends with, and the Lord added to their number daily, those who are being saved. They devoted themselves to, and the Lord did what? He added. 
So they devoted themselves to these simple goals, and the Lord brought the increase. The Lord caused the growth. Their job was just really simple. And, and we really just lumped the whole four into the two things, eat together and pray together. And uh, I won't unpack that again. Today we're going to look at pray together. Uh, and what I just want to say to you is that as we look in the book of Acts, there's no other book in the New Testament that talks and mentions more about prayer. It was very vital to the life of the early church. The only place you can really find in the Bible that talks more about prayer is the book of Psalms, which is 150 prayers. Uh, so it kind of takes, you know, takes the top of the list in the Bible. But Acts is the next. It's full of reference to the church praying. And what we're going to do today is I want to talk about just the value of praying with and for others. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how to pray together or alone. Okay? You ready? So the very first thing we see the church doing, when you're in Acts 1, Jesus has ascended to heaven, and then it talks to us about the people together. The very first thing we find them doing, praying. On and on and on after that, 26 mentions of prayer throughout this book. Um, And they pray in this early stage in chapter 1, and the very next thing that happens, Holy Spirit pours out. Holy Spirit pours out, and what do they devote themselves to? Prayer. More prayer. Eating together, praying together. There's just no question that prayer was a big part of the church's life. And you hear all these like moves of God and amazing things happening throughout the book of Acts, and it's constantly connected to prayer. Prayer is happening again and again and again. And I remember a small group leader saying to me years ago, there has never been a great move of God apart from great moves of prayer. It's just part of the package that comes together. Now, it raises the question, which comes first? Is it, is it a praying church that comes first and then God moves? Or what I would say to you and suggest is when the church starts to pray, maybe it's a good sign God's moving. Maybe it's a good sign that the grace of God is at work in the church. The two come together as one. But either way, what I know I am convinced of is that we will not see the move of God that we desire to see as a church apart from being a people of prayer. Oh, wow. I love when I was going to say, can I get an amen? And it just, it just is there. It's wonderful. And you see, there's something really powerful that happens when we pray together. When you pray together, there is a uniting of hearts that happens with those people who pray together. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and there's this thing that happens, the hearts get united because actually as you hear your brother or your sister and the Lord pray, you actually get a window into their heart. And there's a sense in which you get to hear their faith and you're inspired and you're challenged and you're kind of carried along. Maybe you showed up to that meeting just as dead weight and their faith just kind of pulls you in. There is really this sense in which we learn to pray by praying together. You know, you may go, oh, that, yeah, I could do, I should try that. You know, there's just something that happens when we pray together that doesn't happen when we pray alone. We share burdens, right? There's this other element, too, that I want us to just focus on for a little bit, what happens when we pray for others, okay? Again, we carry each other's burdens, but what I want to point out to you is that when we pray for each other, 
we actually destroy seeds of division and dissension that can come into the church. And how many of you know those things destroy the church? They destroy a fellowship. And I read to you a little lengthy quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but it's worth reading. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, A Christian fellowship lives and exists by the intercession of its members for one another, or it collapses. I can no longer condemn... I have a problem with my screen. I'm sorry. I can no longer condemn my brother for whom I pray, no matter how much trouble he causes me. His face that hitherto may have been strange and intolerable to me is transformed in intercession to the countenance of a brother for whom Christ died, the face of a forgiven sinner. This is a happy discovery for the Christian who begins to pray for others. There is no dislike, no personal tension, no estrangement that cannot be overcome by intercession as far as our side of it is concerned. Intercessory prayer, that's praying for others, is the purifying bath into which the individual and the fellowship must enter every day. You guys hear what he's saying, right? You start to pray for that person who was just on your nerves, causing you grief. Every time you look at them, you're like, ugh. And, and you, start, you start to pray for them, and something changes inside of you toward them. You're bringing them before the Lord, asking for him to bless them, asking for him to forgive their sin, right? And something begins to shift in you as you pray for them. It's no surprise that you can actually find like psychological research that's not from the church, secular, that couples that pray together, what? Stay together. They actually, like you can read from psychologists' research who are not people of faith, that these couples that pray together, they have a more readiness to forgive. There's a softness towards each other that's present in the relationship. And this very same truth can translate into the church. And we know that unity is essential for the church to be powerful, to be strong, to be effective. There's tons of biblical reference and sociological uh, pointers to the fact that unity brings great power and great blessing. You know what I'm talking about, right? And so there's no surprise that there's never been a great move of God without a great move of prayer. The two work together. So here's the thing, like we can go on about it and the value of it, but what I'm feeling so convinced of these days is no prayer strategy will sustain the move of prayer. There's something about when it becomes the part of the culture, the community, that there's a praying culture in the church, and that's something that I'm finding just an increased hunger for, because you know, self-effort will not sustain us. We have to actually fall in love with God. We actually have to fall in love with being in his presence and coming before him and, and talking with him and communing with him. But what I'll say to you is this, real love takes work. So it's not to, you know, demean or diminish the importance of having a plan, of having a strategy, of having a structure, of pursuing it. How many married people know real love takes work? Long-lasting love takes work. Even if you're not married, you know what I'm talking about. Real, long-lasting love takes effort, intentionality, longevity. Keep going, right? 
So let's not be afraid to acknowledge our need to learn. Let's not be afraid to acknowledge our need to learn how to pray. To apply some planning, to apply some strategy, to apply some lessons learned from others. How many of you know um, there's value in having a plan for exercise and a good diet? We, we all know it. Everybody's so careful to raise their hand. Yeah, I guess I know. I can't raise my hand for that. But the thing is, is you don't get healthy by just wanting it. You don't get healthy by just going, yeah, I know that's important. Right? There is a value to having a plan and a strategy and some discipline. And here's the interesting thing, guys. When you actually begin, and anyone who's ever engaged with it can probably relate to it, when you start to eat healthy and you start to go to the gym, what starts to happen is you like it. It's like there's this weird thing where at first you're like, ugh, that sounds disgusting. No, right? Like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to eat that. Like, and, and, and what starts to happen is you start to actually enjoy the benefit of it. I know what's happened for me is like when I get into a good routine, then what happens is when I don't work out, I'm like, oh, I'm miserable. I'm not a fun person to be around. I got to get all this aggression out somewhere. I got to get, you know, there's, there's just like, there's this mental health thing that happens from eating healthy and going to the gym that I begin to discover through the discipline, through the plan, through the strategy, and then I start to fall in love with it, Right? And so the same thing can happen in prayer. And so what I want to just kind of close on this point is, is, you know, we know prayer can be difficult. We know that it's valuable. Like anybody, you know, we're all sitting here, of course, right? Of course. But we have to embrace the journey of learning to teach us how to pray, right? That was, the, that was the thing that I felt like God spoke to me for a personal goal this year was learn to pray. And, and I shared it with Telsey, and she, she knows I get up in the morning and read my Bible and stuff, and she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, like, I, I, might, I have this routine, but I feel like a baby in this, you know? I've got a long way to go. I know there's deeper. I know there's further. I know there's more than what I've tasted and experienced. And I'm hungry for that as a church, as a body, that we would actually learn this place of deep fellowship with God together. And so we, like the disciples, right, Luke 11, they come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray, right? And we can come along with them. We can join in that request as other disciples of Jesus. Teach us to pray. And I'm not going to unpack the Lord's Prayer today, but I will point to at some point how the prayer that John read to us actually points to it. We can see the disciples actually doing what Jesus had taught them in that prayer from Acts 4. But, you know, often we hear this thing, well, prayer is just talking to God, right? Makes it sound so simple. Then why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? If it's just talking to God, why is it so hard? You know, you have this, this desire in your heart. I want to talk with him. I want to fellowship with him. I want to connect with him. And yet, he feels distant, and there's a sense of disconnect. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, think of it like this. Have you ever been in an awkward conversation? 
Have you ever been in a conversation with a person? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your friend. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe you're at a party and you're meeting all these people and you just can't find anybody to, you know. And, and, and there's just this awkwardness. The conversation never takes off. It never gets heart to heart. You can't find that thing that they're interested in or that question that's going to spark the conversation. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? But having a good conversation with people, it can be like learning a new language. Because, see, when you're sitting there having that conversation, you actually have to learn what they're interested in. You have to learn what questions they respond well to. You have to learn what matters to them. You have to learn who they are and what they're like, right? And we know, like, again, jumping into the marriage relationship, we know that there's an initial stage in marriage of learning what's important to your partner, learning what motivates them, learning what questions work well and which questions don't work well. Uh, and, and, and there's that initial stage, but who knows, right? It's also a lifelong process. There's no point. At, at any point when you hang up the hat of student and learner, you stop progressing in connection. Things get stagnant. There is a lifelong process. It's the same thing in our relationship with God. In our prayer life, there's a lifelong learning process. And if we stick with it, just like going to the gym, just like in this relationship with a spouse, there's great reward. There's great reward if we'll stick with it. So how do we learn what God likes to talk about. How do we learn what God's interested in? Who he is and what he's like? You remember last week I told you that this portion about the apostles' teaching from those four things that they devoted themselves to, that's essentially Bible study, and I told you that studying the Bible together, we could put that in the eat together category, right? Well, I would tell you the same thing goes for the prayer category. The Bible is key to praying together. Because it's from the Bible that we learn who God is, what he's like, what he likes to talk about, how he talks, what questions he responds well to. We actually gain from the Bible this insight into the character and the nature of God that completely uh, you know, transforms us and it sets us up for connection. It teaches us. How did we all as babies learn to speak? You just mimic. You're your little baby, and your father, your mother are talking to your older sibling, and you just mimic. And when we actually open up the scriptures and read them aloud, we are just mimicking back to God how he speaks. What do we call the Bible? The word of God, right? And so we are mimicking like little babies. We just come and we read it aloud. And I, I felt this year like the Lord told, told me, just pray the Psalms. This every, so January 1st, I prayed Psalm 1. January 2nd, I prayed Psalm 2. I'm going to have to start doing a little math once we get into February. But, you know, and, and, and there's this thing that starts to happen as I pray the Psalms that it actually gives me language. It teaches me how to approach God. And this whole thing of mimicking him is key because you realize, like, when we come to God in prayer, know this, we do not pray to change God's heart and mind. 
When we pray, we're being conformed to his heart and mind. And so when we pray, wow, I like, I like these amens. When, when we get changed to his heart and mind through the scriptures, there's this synergy that then begins to happen in the relationship, in the conversation, in this thing we call prayer. Sometimes, you know, we come to prayer and you just don't know where to start or how to approach. You feel empty, right? And, and like so much of just like, God, my life sucks and I'm so tired and I'm so bored. I mean, it only goes so far. That conversation, like it's okay to start there. The Psalms, the Psalms go there, right? But we learn how to approach through others' prayers. I'll give you another quote from Bonhoeffer. The richness of the Word of God ought to determine our prayer, not the poverty of our heart. And there is so much wealth in God's Word that really, guys, there's, 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 there's never a moment, if you will open it, if you will crack it open, there's never a moment where there's not something to say. Something to pray. Gary and I have been connecting on Zoom since the pandemic started on Wednesday mornings. And, and, I, and I, we gathered last Wednesday and we just opened up the psalm for the day and we read it together. And after reading it together, it was so easy to just like launch off, take that theme, take that idea. And there was stuff in it about like destroy my enemy, enemies and all that sort of stuff that David does, you know. But it's like you can even take that and don't worry, I wasn't thinking of any of you. And, uh, and, 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 you, and you direct it towards the enemy of your soul, right? The things that are out to get you. And there's just, you learn from it, right? And when we get filled with God's word, we actually are equipped to do what Jesus taught his disciples to do. At the beginning, when they say, Lord, teach us to pray, the very first thing he says in the prayer he teaches them is, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? Cherished, treasured, valued, lifted up, exalted, magnify the name of the Father. And I'd like to point out to you that there's only two prayers recorded in the book of Acts where you actually get to read what they prayed. One of them is what John read to us. The other one is in Acts 1. And they both open up with acknowledgement of who God is and what he's like. In Acts 1.24, they're praying about who they should appoint as a leader. And the very first thing they say at the beginning of the prayer is, Father or Lord, you know the hearts of all men. Before they say, who, who should it be, whatever, they, they acknowledge, we know that you know the hearts of all men and who should be in this position, right? And then at the beginning of this prayer in Acts 4, we hear this, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You foretold that this that happened with Jesus would happen, and they actually quote from the Psalms. They quote from Psalm 2, Right? So here we see them acknowledging he's the sovereign Lord. He's the creator of all things. He's the maker of heaven and earth and the seas and everything in them. He foretold that this would happen. We know it because it says it right here in Psalm 2 verse, you know, and there's, there's just this like rehearsal of who God is and what he's like and this locking their hearts into the truth of scripture before they begin to make their request. 
Knowing who God is and what he's like and what he's promised and spoken in the scripture strengthens you and sets you up and sets us up together to pray effectively. See, because when we come together, this is the pray together part. When you come together to pray and someone comes in and and they start like, you know, I don't know, telling you the vision they had or this, that, or the other thing, it can be good and it can help. But when they start to read the scriptures and pray from the scriptures, there's such an easy agreement to it for us. As we're like, hey, I recognize that. I know that's the word of God. And there's a shift that starts to happen. There's a faith that's built in the room, right? And Jesus told us that when we pray anything in his name, right? Pray in Jesus' name, which I think for a lot of us, we're like, what, is that? what does that even mean? You know, because it's not terminology that we use a lot these days. And so we've thought that if we just say, in the name of Jesus, amen, at the end of the prayer, then we're, you know, checking the box and doing it right. But to, to pray in his name is actually to come into this prayer in his nature, in his likeness, caring about what he cares about, saying what he says, right? And so there's actually this, the, go with me on this, right? Like, Jesus is the fulfillment of the word, is he not, right? He's the word made flesh, correct? And so there's actually something that when we pray the scriptures together, we are definitely praying in the name of Jesus. We're actually coming in his likeness and in his way and praying in the name of Jesus. And anybody who's been in a prayer meeting before, you might be able to relate with with this. I've experienced the power of this in my personal life. I've experienced it in the corporate prayer setting. And that is this. It's, It's, again, it's the hallowed be thy name thing. Before going into the ask, the request, the whatever, Father, you are faithful. You are true. You are righteous. You are just. You are gracious. You are generous. You are wise. You are unfailing. You are from everlasting to everlasting. You never grow tired. You never faint. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You're merciful. You're trustworthy, right? And you just, you just speak out these truths about who he is and what he's like, and something stirs in your heart. Something stirs in your spirit. Now, sometimes it takes some time, like, especially if you're alone, you can be doing that, and it's like, all right, like, let's go, get this engine going. But there's something that when you're together, and somebody in the room starts to do that, you know, you could have been burdened with whatever crisis in the world, or in somebody's life, or this or that, and somebody starts to speak out these truths about who God is, and what he's like, and the room starts to elevate into, like, a different place, a different perspective, where you get to start to pray in faith. So being filled with God's word is key to praying effectively. Eat together and pray together. So I want to invite you to join us in pursuing praying together as more part of the culture of our church family. You know, we're asking God for strategies and what that's going to look like so that we can actually do it well together. And I hope to be able to discover that together and announce things to you. But for starters, just make it practical. When you're together, 
Hey, you got it. Pray. It's just, simp- it's just that simple. Like we had our life group lunch last week after the message about eat together. And the kind of, you know, culmination consensus of that meeting was like, so have some people for a meal. You know, like it's just, you just we just got to start doing it. It's really simple. Eat together. In this sense, pray together. So we as a community just commit, like when we're together, when we're, when we're at a meal together, when we're at a youth event together, when we're wrapping up in a meeting like this, whatever it is we're doing, let's find ways and places to pray together. Another invitation would be join Gary and I on Wednesday mornings on Zoom, 7 a.m. There is, there, if you want that, you can either just reach out to me or reach out to the office and we'll get the link to you. Okay, and you can just join us, 7 a.m. every Wednesday till 7.30. It's a 30-minute window. We're typically on there praying together. And then next week, January 29th, extended worship in this room. How many of you know that's, that's, that's prayer? When we're there worshiping together, that's prayer. And what tends to happen in that context is somebody gets a prayer, and somebody starts to pray out, like on New Year's Eve, Sarah Primus from Keystone, I mentioned it last week, started just praying over Life Tree, and we were like, the Lord is speaking right now. There was just like a, a, a strong sense that God was speaking to our church in that moment. And it was about this. I'll say it again. The word was about not forsaking our roots and what's been built here, and that with my parents' living room, you know what we did before it was a big public thing? Pray and worship together. And, and Jason and Christine came, you know, early on in the days of this church, and, and together, there was a lot of eating together and praying together that has happened in this community. And this word was, was prayed over us, and it was just this sense of like, yep, that's the Lord, you know. We're not, we're not moving on to some new plan. It says we're going to keep going forward, getting filled with the Scripture, being together, eating together, praying together. So just to recap on those really practical things, pray together, join us on Zoom, come out next Sunday, uh, 6 p.m., right? 6 p.m., not 6.30, 6 p.m. Lastly, what we're going to do here is we're going to stand and we're going to pray the prayer from Acts 4 together, Okay? So we, we live in a day, you know, before we stand, I want to say this to you, actually. We said on January 8th, the goal is be more like Jesus. And that's not going to change. That's, that's going to remain the goal of Life Tree Church. And Jesus prayed the Psalms. Jesus died with the Psalms on his lips. The risen Jesus, according to Hebrews, lives forever to make intercession for you. So we're invited into being a part of who he is and what he is like through prayer. And that's the goal, guys. Like, we're never going to put a higher goal before our church community, then be like Jesus. And this is key part of it. And we get to step into that when we pray together. And so we're going to pray this prayer. And I'd like to just point out that they prayed this prayer in the face of threats. They prayed this prayer in a moment when preaching the gospel was not popular. And, and, and the follow-up to them praying 
was that there was an earthquake. There was a getting filled again with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly, it says. And we hear another description. The last part of what John read to us was very similar to what's in Acts 2. This description of generosity and more miracles and God's grace at work among them. So I just want to say that as we step into praying this together, that that was the context in which this was prayed. And I don't know about you, but I would say that we need in our day a people who will speak the word of God boldly. We're unashamed to rejoice in who Jesus is and what he has done. We're unashamed to speak about the goodness of God made known to us in Jesus. And I know we got to learn how to take what's in this ancient book and translate it into modern day context. But what it is actually saying is worth saying. And it's worth saying boldly. So let's, let's stand and let's pray this prayer together. It's gonna, I believe it's going to come up on the screen for us. And I'll, I'll pray it from the mic, but I'm going to ask you guys to join. And let's pray this together with those who prayed it thousands of years ago. And apply it for us here today. Is it there? Are we together? Here we go. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Father, we're praying for your name to be lifted up for it to be hallowed, for it to be treasured, for it to be exalted. We ask for your kingdom to come, your will to be done, on earth, here in Victoria, through your church, just as it is in heaven. And everybody said, amen. You guys, awesome, awesome, awesome to be together. And we're going we're gonna to keep praying together as a church, right? Thank you for listening to the Lifetree Church Sermon of the Week. At Lifetree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.